If you don't mind, I'm going to come down to your level. Is that all right? It's all right. <clears throat> a lot of memories. Um, I was just thinking I'm getting a little warm, and uh, I remember when I was a kid, uh, the janitor used to have a long pole, and he used to open those windows up, cranking it. I, th I think we called him Tiny, didn't we? That's right. Yeah, and he was the biggest guy in church. <laughs> what was his real name? Stegenga, that's right, Stegenga. Yeah, I can still remember him going up and down, opening up those windows. Remember that, Marv? Yeah, yeah. Always got a button. Yeah, you're the electrician, so, you know, <laughs> of course. You, he's done a lot of work in our building year, years ago. Uh, we've been blessed with a new building over the years. So, anyway, uh, I still remember the day you were there because that was the day that I found out the news that I got a sabbatical to spend the summer with Eugene Peterson in 2007. And the Lord blessed that into a wonderful relationship where Kathy and I got to go like every summer. We're going again this summer, but as you know, he's no longer with us in the flesh on this earth. Uh, we lost him last fall. And his wife we just lost about three weeks ago. So We're going to read. We'll get some words of comfort this morning. And... Uh, I got something from the Heidelberg Catechism, too, since I'm a Reformed preacher. Uh, you've heard of that thing. But I want to uh, read just a few verses from John chapter 20. What do we got? Oh, you, you got the heavens went up this time. Okay. As you know, in John chapter 20, I'm, I'm on page in my Bible, 16 and 87, but... Um, as you know, the story about Thomas, most of you would probably know that story, that Jesus appeared to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. And so Thomas didn't encounter the presence of Jesus. But they told him about it. And then in verse 26, John writes, A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus told him, Because you have seen you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then a couple verses uh, from 1 Corinthians to remind us again what grounds us as people. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through Um, one through four. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and are on, and on which you have taken your stand. 
By this gospel you have been saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then he appeared to Peter and the twelve. And one other text that I just want to quickly remind you, because Thomas uh, comes up in John 14, in a very famous passage, John 14. We've all heard the verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but it's Thomas who who prompts that line. Thomas in John 14, verse 5, said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the Heidelberg Catechism, do we, we don't have that up here? It's all right. It's all right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. One of my favorites, 45, Lord's Day 45. Wait a minute. I think, am I at the wrong one? <laughs> I thought it was a question and answer 45. I'm sorry, I, screwed, I messed that up. You just gave me the wrong page. That's all. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm on page 24. But anyway, it's uh, question and answer number 45. How does Christ's resurrection benefit us? What good does it do for us? First, by his resurrection, he has overcome death, so that he might make us share in the righteousness he he won for us by his death. And second, this is the one I want you to see. By his power, we too are already now, say that with me, already now, resurrected to a new life. And third, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of our glorious resurrection. We already are now raised to a new life. What I want to say this morning to you is... There is a way through. Turn to your neighbor and say to your neighbor, there is a way through. You don't do it quite as good as my church, but anyway, (laughs) do it again. There is a way through. All right. We need to know that this morning. Jesus died. He was buried. And he arose, and the catechism even tells us, we already now, already now, have a new life. There is a way through. There is a way through, and the good news is, it's with a person. Not a principle, not a teaching, 
but it's with a person. It's with a person. What's happening, what happened to Jesus is happening to us. It's all personal, and he always is reorientating us. So this morning, my prayer is that we can get reorientated. Do some of us need to be reorientated this morning? I know you don't say amen, but say amen anyway. Amen. amen. We need to be reorientated. We need to be reconfigured, transferred, formed. Uh, our school has the theme this year, transformation. It's a big butterfly. The, the caterpillar to the butterfly. Our kids love it. They love that text in, in Romans chapter 12. Let's look at Thomas. Thomas. I'm not going to beat up on Thomas, okay? Because I think Thomas is uh, a lot like us. Uh, maybe we more like Thomas than what we think. Eugene Peterson taught me a line. We used to laugh about this, actually. Um, he said to me, he says, you know what? He says, we all want a wilderness. We want freedom, right? We want a wilderness. And then the first thing we do is we demand a map. You didn't get it. <laughs> we all want wilderness. We want freedom. And the first thing we do when we get in the wilderness is give me a map. Well, that sort of puts us where Thomas is. You see, Thomas signed up with Jesus. And if anybody signs up with Jesus, you got to be ready to move. you got to be ready to go. He's going, coming, moving, always. Different people, different towns, different places and spaces. <laughs> and he's saying, hey, let's go. And so Thomas is ready to go. But several weeks later, we sort of understand that Thomas wants a map. Jesus had appeared after the resurrection, but Thomas wasn't there. And so Jesus appeared, to Jesus, Jesus appeared to the disciples personally, but Thomas wasn't personally there to encounter Jesus. But now that's not Thomas's way. That's not the map that he wants. He says, I want to see his hands. I want to put my, I want to put my hand into his side. My way. My evidence. My principles. I demand evidence and this is what I want and and often when we demand the evidence what we're not what we're saying basically is I want to be in control hmm. I want to set the rules I want to set the principles I want to set the doctrines I'm in charge here and the way <laughs> better conform to my rules and if it doesn't, and if it doesn't obey and listen to my rules, then, well, <laughs> the disciples, I don't know, disciples, if, if I can't have my rules uh, adhered to, then whatever news you're bringing me is what we call today in today's world fake news. It's fake news that Jesus is risen. Unless I see it, unless I touch it, unless I put my hand in his side. Hmm. Following Jesus is never simple. 
It's always an adventure. You never know where Jesus is going to go next. It's never about a strategic plan. It's never about where is the map. We want a wilderness, but yes, most of us want a map. Hmm. But as I like to say, and I've learned to say to my people, the God pull is a good pull. It pulls us out of our BS, broken stories. Caught your breath there, didn't you? And it pulls us into God's GPS, good and pleasing stories. Jesus is always pulling us out of our BS, broken stories. You know, following Jesus is a lot about, first of all, it's about unlearning much so that we can relearn again. No matter how old you get. Jesus is not a map. He is not a principle. He is not a plan, if you will. He is not something that you can, can put your hands around and, 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 and say, now i got control of it. No, he's too wild for that. He's like Aslan and the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. You can't control him. You don't know when he's going to come. You don't know when he's going to leave. It's his plan. It's his purpose. We want a wilderness, but we demand a man. Jesus is a person, a personal presence. You see, a personal presence is a stubborn reality. You can't, it's difficult to deny a personal presence. Persons can be seen. They can't be written off. They can't be labeled fake news. Real persons, videos of people, you can't dismiss that as quickly. Jesus is a person. City of Chicago, our whole trajectory of the mayor of the city changed over the person of Laquan McDonald. You can't deny that. You can't quibble about that. It's real, it's a person, it's a presence. And it has to be dealt with. We have a new mayor, most likely because of that one presence. Hmm. That's how Jesus, we, we can't treat him as a principle or as a map. But what my comfort to you and to me this morning is, there is a way through. But it's always personal. And it always has to do with forgiveness. And it always has to do with compassion. And it always has to do with grace. You see, facts are stubborn, but persons are even more inescapable. Martin Luther King said that, he said that the truth pressed to the earth will rise up again. It's going to come up. It's not going to go away. Now, imagine a resurrected person, someone that was once dead, and now is standing up in front of you. Imagine if, if facts that are pressed to the earth rise up again. Imagine what you will say if a person got out of a coffin and rose up again. That is a presence you cannot deny. That's what Thomas was facing. You see, 
Thomas, as I like to think about it, was caught in what I call stinking thinking, sort of two-dimensional thinking. You know, um, what I can see, what I can touch, those two dimensions. You know, unless I can see it, unless I can, see it, unless I can touch it, 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 it's not real. He's caught up in that. He demands the evidence. And, and, and he's set on demanding the evidence, demanding the plan. It's about, it's, it's the I word. <laughs> We're hearing about the I word today, right? That it's the I word. The I word for Thomas is idolatry. I will set the rules. I will set what I claim to be truthful evidence. I, 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 idolatry. So Thomas You demand a map, you demand control. But you see, persons are inescapable encounters. <laughs> Jesus, is one of my favorite authors, is a woman named Sarah Miles. And she, she writes, she says, Jesus happens. Jesus happens. That's what we need to know. He, he appears on the road. All of a sudden, you can't, you can't control that. You can't put your hands around that. You can't name that, if you will. Do we even have a language for that? I thought about that. Do we even have a language for someone, a person who comes back and is risen from the dead? What kind of words do you put on that? Wonder. I, I, let's help. Thomas, I think, is going to help us with that. You definitely get reorientated, amen? Amen? All right. You're awake. You're awake. I, I thought about this. You know, do we even have an experience, words to put on this? And the closest thing I can think of an analogy in our everyday living that we live is uh, when, my, when my oldest daughter, my firstborn, Kara is her name, she teaches now at... Uh, Trinity College, Kara Wolf. Um, when she was born, my first child, at Rush Hospital, same hospital that my sister Elizabeth spent most of her, her, her hospital career in, and uh, Kara was, uh, and she's named after Elizabeth, her middle name's Elizabeth, she, she was born with a lot of complications with a cord around her neck and she couldn't get enough oxygen and there were questions about whether there'd be brain damage and all this kind of business and uh, of course I, I was extremely frightened because I had grew up with a little sister that I always was worried about as well and here it's running all over again you know um, the good news was she was fine the good news was she was great the good news was, as the doctor said, she can go to Harvard. Well, she's a professor, so anyway, she, he was close. But the beauty of it was when the words came and when I walked back to that car on that cold morning, I felt like I could walk on air. Beautiful, wonderful, life, grace, goodness. That's an encounter 
that you can't get your arms around. Amen? That's an encounter that, that you, you can't define. You can't make that into a principle. And, and what I want to say to you today is the resurrection's a hundred times greater. It's like here is a body that arose and is live and it's in front of you. You have, how do you respond to that? You walk on air. <laughs> All right. Mm, Thomas. You demand this two-dimensional map. You want to touch it. You want to see it. Thomas. 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 I'm a person. I'm alive. I'm much more than some two dimensions. Thomas. There is a way through. Whatever blockage you're going through, wherever you're stuck at, whatever is your blind spot, Thomas, listen, I stand before you because, Thomas, there's more ahead. There's more ahead. There is more ahead because there's a way through. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. Mm, so God, Jesus, takes... Thomas's hand graciously. He doesn't jerk him around, all right? And he graciously enables Thomas to take the next step. Put one foot in front of the other, Thomas. Thomas, you're stuck. But I believe there's more for you up ahead. And I am the way, I am the presence. And I am the one who is going to enable you to get unstuck. Hmm. Not painlessly. Amen? It's not painless. It's not magic either. It's personal. And personal means it's human. And human means there's hurts and there's pains and there's, there's disappointments and there's discouragements and there's, there's setbacks and there's sometimes... Two steps, one forward, two backwards. It, it, human means all that. My wife had shoulder surgery, and she is extremely grateful. And I'm looking like, what are you so grateful you had shoulder surgery? She's grateful because it was much better than what she ever dreamed it would be. And so, yeah, there's pain. Yeah, there's medications. Yeah, she's not sleeping good at night. And all this. It, it's personal. It's never some magic carpet ride. But there's one who says there is a way through. Um, yeah, I don't know how long you preach here. so um, Our church goes two hours. <laughs> I got you nervous there. Right? <laughs> we do go two hours, not because I preach so long. Um, I went to a funeral, and, and, and most of you know I'm in an African-American community. Um, and there was a lady in the coffin who had a fork in her hand. Uh, you ever see that? Have you? You read about that. Okay, maybe. Okay. And I was like, what is that about? And the family told me, and they said... Uh, 
She's been to so many potlucks at church that she's so used to eating the food and then the, the attendants would come around and collect the food, or collect, collect the, the condiments and the, the plates and all that kind of stuff. And the, and the person would always say, but keep your fork because the best is yet to come. Amen. And I think about that and I think, you know, we live between the water, baptism, and the fork. That's where we're at. We're in that middle. And, 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 and we, we run into a lot of obstacles and we have disappointments and discouragements all along the way. Right? But we have to remember the water and the fork. We have to remember the water of baptism, whose I am and who I am, right? I was baptized, not in this particular building, but I was baptized in this church shortly before I came to this church, all right? And I was actually baptized in Roseland, I believe. But anyway, um, but I have to remember the water. The water is, tells me, it defines me, it reminds me. It, it, in a sense, is that, is that two-dimensional. It's, you, you, can, you can feel water. You can taste water. You can, you, you can see water, right? Sort of. And, and one of the beautiful things that happened for me that came together was Eugene Peterson told me this. I'm a swimmer, okay? I swim probably six to nine miles a week. And... Eugene, I, and every time I'd visit Eugene in Montana, I would swim in his lake, in his bay. And uh, Eugene, one time, we'd always sit and talk, and he'd said to me, he says, Jim, he says, it's a really good thing that you swim every day. I says, why is that, Eugene? Yeah, I need the exercise, I know. He says, no, 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 not for the exercise. He says, because every time you swim, you're reminded that it's the water that holds you up. It's the Spirit of God. It's the physical water. Yes, swimming, you learn that. It's not, 90% of it is trusting that the water is going to hold you up. You learn the strokes and all that kind of business. But if you think you're going down, you're in trouble. It's the water that holds you up. It's the water of baptism. It's the reminder of who you are, whose you are, where you've come from. Every day, coming around you, touching it, feeling it. Knowing that it's there, it's that that's going to hold you up to keep you swimming, to get to the fork. The best is yet to come. Hmm. Got any swimmers here this morning? It's the water that holds you up. When you take a shower, it's the water. It's the water. By this gospel we are saved. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's the water. That's in our DNA. You and I need personal reminders of that every day to keep on going towards the fork, to keep on trusting that there is indeed a way through. Hmm. 
I'll skip to the end. I'll tell you a little bit about my swim from the water to the fork. Not to the fork yet. But most of what has happened was not my strategy, was not my plan. Most of what has happened was that Jesus happened. Jesus appeared. Jesus was there and asked me to trust. But it was always Jesus that did the leading that did the reorientating. I made a one-year commitment in 1978 to go to Lawndale. Forty years later, I'm here. Forty years, personally, Jesus appeared. I inherited an old building called Nathaniel Institute. Some of you may remember that. It was a mission to the Jewish people back in the mid uh, 1900s, and today <laughs> a $4 million building personally has appeared. Yes, buildings are filled with people. I've learned that. you got to have some buildings to fill people. As I mentioned here earlier, I got a sabbatical in 2007, and Eugene Peterson personally appeared. And while I was on sabbatical... Another person appeared at our church named Mike Trout, and he came with a whole new youth program, a program called Wyman, Young Men's Educational Network. And I came back, and this whole program was there. And the long and short of it is, I had nothing to do with it, but they were there. We're the small kid on the block. The church is a small entity. We don't have many people, more people than you have right here, okay? But we have a school of 175, and we've got a young men's educational program that has close to an $800,000 budget. They travel to, to Africa. They go all over the place. They're going to, to North, South Dakota this summer. They're, they're going to Wisconsin this weekend. Anyway, these young people travel and go and see and encounter things that they've never seen and encountered before. And the beautiful thing is they're coming back and they're leading in our worship. It's not an old man like me standing up here. Okay? We got young folks that lead the worship. It's a beautiful thing. Hmm. None of it orchestrated by me. None of it planned. None of it demanded and saying, hey, here's my five-year plan. Here's my ten-year plan. No, none of that. None of that. Jesus happened. About two years ago, three years ago, um, I had a deacon, his name is Deacon Campbell. He ran a basketball thing at night. Young men, young men came and played ball. I used to play, but not anymore. But anyway, um, turns out that one of the guys is a preacher. Turns out one of the guys uh, began to preach with us and for us. Turns out one of the guys, as the preacher, his church froze out and his pipes busted and he needed a place to worship. And, and, and Jesus happens and he began worshiping in our church in the afternoon. And lo and behold, just about three, four months ago, 
they joined with us. And now we've got three, four preachers. Pastor Wolf can sit down sometimes. I can come and see you guys, okay? Jesus happens. I can't take credit for that. Peterson taught me, he says, if God's not personal, then he's nothing. He's personal. He's personal. Hmm. And he didn't have to tell me that. I learned that from the African-American community, too. I learned that, first of all, you belong. And then you begin to think right and act right. But unless you get that belong first, the thinking right and the acting right ain't going to happen. Much, I'm not saying this so much as a criticism, but much of my upbringing was saying, think right, act right, and then you belong. (laughs) African Americans have turned that on its head. Said, no, you first of all belong. I, I, I sometimes try to act black or all this kind of business. And they say, no, 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 we don't want that. You belong here just like you are. Now learn how to act. We belong. Jesus says, Thomas, you belong. You're my child. But Thomas, there's more up ahead. Trust me. Love me. Follow me. Believe me. Believe me, there's more ahead. What I wanted to say to you this morning is there is a way through. There is a way through. Thomas gives us the best language for how in the world do we respond to a person who arose and is standing in front of us. The best language yet. In his awe and in his wonder, Thomas says, My Lord, my God. That's the best language probably we can get from Thomas. I pray as a church, I know you, you face some rough times. I know the future is uncertain. There's no road map. There's no road map. I I know that I would not be where I'm at if the Lord hadn't sent a whole bunch of young people. The, The church would have closed. I have no doubt about that. But God, see, but God. God had something else in mind. It doesn't mean doesn't mean it always ends well in terms of the way we think with our road map. But it does say to us, trust him. He will appear. He will show the way. He will make a way through. He's faithful and he's personal. My Lord, my God. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray for these people, your sheep. Regardless of uh, the challenges they face, I want to say you've done a great work.
because your hand is in their hand and you're going to lead them and you're going to be faithful and I pray that they may leave here today and in the days ahead with Thomas's words on their lips my Lord my God oh Lord give us the faith Give us the trust and forgive our unbelief. Amen.